You're listening to Art Happens Here, the podcast that explores the often curious and occasionally amazing art installations on, in, and around the campuses of Lansing Community College. I'm your host, Bruce Mackley. Denny Preston, welcome back to Art Happens Here. Hi, everybody. I'm back. He's back. <laughs> um, we were just discussing uh, more shared history that we have, uh, you know, state journal, editorial cartoons and such. Um, Denny's creative footprint has been all over the map regionally and probably wider than that. Have you have you done anything nationally other than your self-publishing and your music? I mean, is there anything that um, that exploded, anything that went broader uh, than you thought it would? Well... I think sometimes T-shirt designs, mm-hmm. but uh, as far as nationally, uh, I don't know if it's an explosion. I can't say an explosion, but there was some work that I did for a, a company, and this was like straight out of high school too. Mm-hmm. And what it was is like teaching aids. And at the time, I, I from what I understand, they were teaching aids more developed for kids to bring them out of themselves. It was more of a communication thing. So there might be people with special needs or something like that. Yeah. And um, so I I would draw all these things for this company, and it was uh, owned by a professor from MSU and his wife. And then, um, but the thing was, it it went international Mm -hmm, as far mm -hmm. as they started selling these aids in other countries. And I don't know if it was for the same reason or whatever. But the main thing with all these drawings I did, there wasn't any words. It was all visuals. Okay. And so like anything that was in there, it was to help people. Internationally. They wouldn't have to translate it in multiple languages. They could market it laterally. Yeah. Unilaterally. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you Mm -hmm. know, as far as nationally, that went international. And there's other things that I've done that were used like in other countries and stuff. But Wow. I don't know, as far as being national, I don't know. Well, there was a magazine I used to do some artwork for, and that was a national magazine. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was based out of Lansing here. <laughs> but even with that, the some of the topics, and the guy was causing some, some what did you, now, would you say causing waves? What, what would you say? What's the word for it? Uh, uh, waves. Okay. Causing waves. Causing waves. Making waves. Making waves. There you go. It's a wave he machine. He was making waves. Yeah. Um, it was more of a political magazine. Oh, yeah. And so that's why it was making waves. And so some of the things that I drew in there was making waves. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I don't know. I'm not, my mine isn't. I'm not. I'm not the kind of person. You're not a polarizing person. Uh, is that there you go. a good way to say it? Yeah. You're not. You're not going to dig your heels in and try to like upset anybody. I don't think. I've no. never seen that. I don't. I can't no. believe any aspect of your work doing that. No. Intentionally. Well, no, and it's. I know it's in me to be able to do it, but I don't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know how powerful a graphic could be, mm-hmm. you know, so I am not, it's, you know, I, I guess I'm, my mind is in a place where I just, 
you know, it's not, it's not, I'm, Jeez, oh, I can't think of the right words. I, I can visualize no, it. No, you're you're chill. You're just chill. Is that what it is? You're chill. You are. You're 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 Denny Preston, oh, and okay. and that is that's who you. I, you're universal, and um, it be, well now it, I I call it like it's a cross between uh, da- tap dancing and a minefield and a highway act. Because wow, I wouldn't want either one of those. Well, <laughs> hey, you know, you know how polarizing um, some social media can be, and oh, yeah. opinion, you know, opinions start flying. And I think we all know by now that the engine that drives social media is engagement, and there's no better engagement than hatred and, and arguments. There you go. Uh, that fuels it, and it's all engineered. It's all designed to lean into that, and um, that's part of the reason we're in the predicament we're in today. Um, and I'm not, it's not just me saying that it's kind of, it's kind of the thing and it's, uh, I hope we can evolve out of it somehow, you know, take the high ground. High yeah. ground's good. High ground can be good. Heights are bad. High ground's okay. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. beat the waves if you're on the beat high ground. There you go. <laughs> you can stand up on the cliff and watch the waves. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what are you most, is there anything that you're most proud of, uh, Project-wise, is there a single effort that you've done? And it doesn't even have to be limited to artwork. It could be music. Music's a type of artwork. Um, Is there anything that you you look at and you say, yeah, that's really representative of me? You know, it's... And I know you probably get it too. I Probably a lot of artists get it where things don't come out the way you visualize in your brain. And so... It's hard for me to pick out some things that I really like. Um, I do have uh, maybe two or three things that I've done that I've gone, oh, I really like that. One of them is a concert poster of Charles Mingus. I like everything about that. Yeah? Yeah, it was like, you know, the illustration, the layout, the hand lettering, the only thing on there that wasn't hand-lettered was the logo of the stables. Mm-hmm. And that was actually, you know, not their official logo. It's just a font that I came up with that I mm-hmm. used on there with dry transfer letters. But yeah, that one I like. There's parts of other things, yeah, that I really like. Mm-hmm. I can't think of too many things where I am totally going, wow. I really liked how yeah. that turned out. I'm yeah, like, your own worst critic. Yeah, another creative that's like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's fine. You know, I went to a, an exhibition of yours. Uh, I was over at Micah, um, and this is stuff I hadn't seen. Um, do you ever sleep, by the way? I mean, is that a thing with you? Because I see so much come out of you. you you're so prolific, and everything is so good. Oh, thanks. No, it is. I, the Micah stuff was even next level. I'm, I'm, looking at these and the colors and the depth and just the the sheer imaginative scope of your work um it stand there and just stare it it's anyway it speaks for itself that's the only thing with this this podcast it's a you know it's an audio about visuals and trying to convey that you know if you haven't seen the artwork of Dennis Preston take a minute you know type in his name and boom you'll it'll explode um well, is it, is, can you say where they can see stuff? Um, well, just Google your name. Okay. Google I was, Dennis Preston Artist, and the interviews will come up, the artwork, your gallery. Well, yeah, they'd have to put artwork or 
Art, art because there's a, another Dennis Preston. That's yeah, a, I don't know if he's around anymore, but he uh, he used to get phone calls for me and get mad. Oh, brother. Well, uh, crossover, like he wants rights. Did he want you to stop no, using the name? No, he's mad that so many people called him. But, oh, brother. And, uh, you know, he's a... Uh, he he was a professor out to MSU for a little bit. He was oh, wow. a professor somewhere else too. Oh, but like early close. Yeah, he was a language kind of professor or something. Mm. Wrote books, so yeah, had his name out there. So so people, if they are looking me up, for sure they'd have to put artwork in there, or or they could put music, but mainly the yeah. cartooning, illustration, artwork, and then things sure. would come up. And they would come up and. Uh, now, you and I both predate history in graphic design. You're probably a decade ahead of me age-wise or so. Uh, but we go back to a time before computers. Imagine people before computers, before email, any of it. All of it was um, was handcrafted. They had these giant cameras that you walk in. It was actually, yep. not to get too far into it, film, key lines. Stat cameras. Stat cameras, all of that. You do traditional artwork with the pens and the paints. Is there any part of the digital world that you've, you've gone into other than obviously the social media stuff? Do you, any programs that you like working with or do you just kind of? Well, this, this will tie back into LCC. Um, there was, uh, we were, you know, the class was going on and then uh, Sharon Wood popped her head in mm -hmm. and she goes, hey, I'm going to start teaching this class. Is there anybody in here that would like to try it out? Mm -hmm. You know, and the the program was Painter. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, she was asking me if I wanted to take it and I'm going, geez, I don't know anything about computers. So I go home and Talk to my wife about it. She goes, well, you might as well try it and see, mm -hmm. you know, see what you think about it, you know. And then, because the painter program was developed by artists. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I'll go, okay, you know, I'll try it and see, you know. And, and like I said, I don't know that much about computers back then. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in there taking this class, learning how to look at a screen and drawing with your hand off on a tablet. And looking up here and seeing things happen. And so um, Sharon was really good in teaching this class. And uh, I'm there doing this. And she saw what I was doing. And like, she goes, uh, would you like to teach this class? And I'm going, uh, no. <laughs> so uh, a week later, she goes, would you like to teach a workshop in it? And she said, you don't have to cover as much. And yeah. if people really like what they're getting into, they can take the class and yeah. learn more. Yeah. I said, um, okay, I'll try that. Yeah. Wet their interest a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I was teaching that. And at that time, I had a student that was helping me as far as technical things. If anything technical came up, he helped me. Hmm. But he said at that time, he goes, Den, if you like Painter, I think you'd like Photoshop. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't take a Photoshop class, but I would ask people about Photoshop and learn that way in mm -hmm. just a hands-on thing. So going back to your question, yes, I do use a computer to color in things, do layouts now, mm -hmm. go in and make corrections on drawings. Undo things, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh, and undoing. working with layers and yeah. 
but I only use as much as the program that I need to use. Yeah. You know? But it's the kind of thing where it's really helped out a lot because we talked about the stat cameras and now you just scan your artwork. It, you know, I, and I do a lot of that. I'll do a black and white drawing and then I'll scan it at a 1200 res. Yeah. Blow it up, Golden. You know, go for the detail and correct little things, add the color, and then boom, you know, just camera ready, you know, just send somebody the file, you know. You're not working with all of these little laid, you know, with the Inks. clear plastic and the uh-huh. ruby lift and all that. Oh, crazy you're giving me stuff. chills. Yeah. Oh, chills. Chills. Yeah, ruby lift, man. Yeah. That and for, format film. Oh, and the press type. Yeah. Oh, man. My. It, Look, my skin is actually crawling. See, look at that go. Yeah, I just, <laughs> yeah, and well, the early days of computing, um, we, the, the, where I worked at the time, an agency, you know, they bought us one and it sat there with dust on it for two years. Nobody wanted because we were like using markers, like demons. You know, we'd marker up comps and in the learning curve. Plus, the printers weren't supporting it yet. Oh. So, um, plus the processing. Uh, even like years after that in Photoshop, if you wanted to rotate an image, you'd go to lunch or you'd let it do it overnight because it just took, it's nothing like it is today. No, nothing like it is today. There's, there's no issue with space now. There's no issue with, with file size now. They no. don't, you know, these kids these days, they just don't appreciate us. No, yeah, I'm kidding. Well, no, no, they don't, they don't know what we had to go through. Yeah. As far as the changing, too, you know, I've known some people that they didn't want to touch computers and they stuck just with the straight drawing for a long time. Mm -hmm. They they were afraid to use that as a tool. Mm -hmm. And basically, that's what it is. It's just a tool, but it's a way cool tool. You know, it's the kind of thing where you go, how did I get along without this thing? Yeah. You know, yeah. I wonder sometimes if I can still draw if I try to do it. I haven't drawn. Come on, so you long. can draw. I could draw, yeah. but I haven't done it. I haven't had to. I can draw on a computer. I mean, I've done plenty of artwork on the computer, but actually, pen to paper. Oh, come on! Isn't it yeah. weird? No. See, I, I. Well, I got this little sketchbook here with me because I didn't know if I was going to get here way before you, and I was just going to look sit at out front and draw. Yeah. yeah. But I keep one in the car and, you know, if I'm waiting for my wife while she's shopping and I'm drawing, you Uh know, if I go to some kind of medical thing or something, I'm drawing while I'm waiting. See, it's you flow. It's like breathing to you. And uh, to me, it was stressful. No, come on. Don't. I'm having a book. Anyway, separate, separate conversation. But yeah, I put too much. I put too much. Questions now to Bruce. (laughs) Yeah. Turn the tables. This table spins. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do a two-parter on you. I'll ask questions. Time time to change the channel, people. Um, Well, uh, one question I had for you among a couple others are, has anybody, because your style, have you been approached to design tattoo for anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I've done tattoo designs. Of course you have. What kind? I mean, were, were they like the type of work that you do, or did they have specific things in mind with specific styles that they wanted to impose on you? They had things in mind. Um, I would, you know, they'd give me an idea of what they wanted, and then I'd just draw it out, and then they'd give it to the tattoo artist. Um, even my daughter had me draw something. Yeah. She's an artist, but she wanted me to design for something for her. Um, I've drawn things where people have gone, I'd like to get a tat made of that. Yeah. 
I had a guy, Australia, he's in Australia and he contacted me. He saw something on Facebook. He goes, I'd like to get a tat made of that. Well, he didn't, you know, you can't, I wasn't trying to make an Australian voice, but anyways, he contacted. (laughs) Well, credit to him for not just ripping you off. Right. He asked me and I said, that belongs to somebody else. If it's okay with them, I don't mind. Perfect. And it was for um, cabs, you know, the, um, you know, Capital Area Blue Society. It was their their logo, actually. Yeah. And he saw it, and then I said, yeah, go for it, you know, if it's okay, you know. And they said, yeah. And he sent a photo back of this, you know, tattoo that looked just like I drew it. It's neat? on his skin, you know. <laughs> Body art, yeah. Well, uh, the, next, Body art. the yeah. next question would be, have you ever had any of your stuff animated or would you ever be interested in, because I, I look at some of your conceptual work and it, I can just see it breathing and turning and looking and anything like that over the years. I, I, I did some stuff for a company that did a simpler version of the animation where I drew extra arms and things like that. That was probably mm-hmm. used in flash. I don't know okay. how they did it. I didn't really see the finished thing, I guess, but, mm-hmm. and that was way back. And, uh, I did a few other things that they kind of semi did things, just moving the art around, not really animating it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't myself, I didn't have interest it's a different animation. realm. Yeah, yeah. It's a I, realm. And it's the same thing with a comic strip. I would be so bored to get into animation mm-hmm. where I'm drawing the same thing over with little moves. Mm-hmm. I'd rather design the characters that were going to be animated. Yeah, the, the undiluted creativity rather than the technical there you go. stuff because it can be so tedious, I think. Yeah. There's been some things that I've done where my nephew... He's an artist where he's taken some of the things I've done and kind of mm. added some computer type animation, a little bit of movement, not mm-hmm. true animation, but it, making some things move in a way, you know. But. Yeah. Yeah. I, l- looking at your work, it's another thing and why this is just occurring to me now and I've known it all along. Um, it's fun. It looks like it's fun to do. Your subject matter, you know, pick one of them. It all just looks. Like you could just sit down and just draw for hours and hours and come up with what you come up with would be enjoyable from a from a creative standpoint. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, no, it's not like you're doing. Like I was talking to uh, I was talking to Brian Whitfield a couple of weeks ago, and you know he was talking about his giant murals and how he doesn't like doing buildings, you know, or cars, you know, and everybody same, wants same with me. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you. What you do is, at least it's not the other way around, where you're doing cars and people say, I want this fantastic, weird creature with 15 eyes and tentacles. Huh? Well, I'll tell you, huh? tying in with what I'm just, I finished doing, I'm not, I haven't done the cover yet for this science fiction book. Um, mm-hmm. But he had, he already had the description of what he wanted mm-hmm. of these characters. So... I had to make them visually from his description. So they tie in with that, like an octopus character that was upside down. Okay. So all the tentacles were coming out of the top. Uh His his head was actually acting like the body then. That sounds like nightmare fuel, but okay. Well, it looks kind of cool the way it turned out. Yeah. You ever been interested in uh, sculpture, sculpting any of your stuff? 
That's another I, thing. I mean, uh, sculpting is a, you know, I think that when people think of artists, they think that they can do anything. And they, they don't even know the difference between painting and drawing, you know? Oh, yes. And they don't understand. Multidisciplines. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's just like a brush opposed to a pen tip, you know? I, sure, I can whip out things with a pen, but for me to paint, I used to paint. Mm -hmm. It's a whole different thing, you know? And sculpture for me, it, even though I would like to sculpt, I'm interested, but I don't have the time it's to steep. do it. steep. Yeah. I, I thought I dipped my toe in it because how hard could it be, right? But the stuff that you do, you're coming from somewhere. I'm going, wow, I couldn't do that no, with nails. I just get bored easy. I just get bored. But I <laughs> thought it was easier than it was. It it kicked my butt. I mean, how hard could it be, right? You, I could just, it'll fall in nope. It was nope. And I I hate crashing and burning like that. I'll probably never That's do That's not a crash and burn from what I saw, you know, but oh. I, I don't know how many times you went through things to come up with what you did. Oh, you know? it, it, well, trying to ideate, you know, 3D is, I just, to your point, it's just a completely different discipline. You have to see it a different way. Um, one of my former guests, uh, Jim Cunningham, said with sculpture, certain types of sculpture, you're removing material, and other types of sculpture, you're adding material. Right. Um, which I thought, Obviously, now I, I see that, but there's a whole mental game that you have to play to to approach it and to do it, you know? Well, it's like these guys that do sculpture have this little extra cell in their head where they can see things dimensionally, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and you're going, wow, because yeah. they're seeing all these different sides of things, and they know how to do it. I'm going... How do they do that? The real, you know, is that photo reference or what? How are they doing that I, stuff? I don't know. It's uh, some of these things from hundreds of years ago. Have you seen the one with a it's cut out of marble and somebody holding a fishing net and the net is marble? Wow. And it's a braided fishing net. Isn't like that string. crazy? He cut out of marble. Now, did they have super glue back then? I wonder. Maybe something equivalent to. Wow. <laughs> you know, don't it's sneeze a, with a chisel in your hand. Um, well, maybe, maybe that's the thing too. Working with very tiny chisels, then maybe yeah, and filing. Yeah, then yeah. maybe okay, you can fine tune, you know, granite and stuff, you know, yeah. with a very small tool. But yeah, and just like get into one thing and dedicate your life to it. Today, you go on Instagram and see some of the creativity and how it's expressing itself with shadows and with garbage and with light and with glass and yeah. the people the the limits just keep getting pushed back further and further you know yeah. it's really great it's great you know and i have to touch on very quickly um you know when you came into the art class in high school you brought your portfolio and you had an army jacket on your long hair and a beard. did i yeah then you, you maybe know, it was a safari jacket yeah, it could be. Oh, I know that army jackets were a big deal back then. The P oh, okay. Foxhole PX, you know, I had one, you know, the green, you know, oh, the wow. deep pockets. Yeah, this is, well, dating ourselves. I think I had a safari jacket. I used I, to wear those. Okay. Okay. We can go with that. Okay. Well, you, you showed us your work, and it didn't. Lance Shade was the teacher in the vocational art class, and I think he might have been your teacher, too. I had him for one semester at Eastern. Okay, because yeah. he was there. And he had you back, and he was heavy into bringing professionals in and talking. He had Joe Heron in at one point, and, and you, and it was 
it was just mind altering the possibilities that you mean I can actually do this for a living now get out. of here. I can do this for a living really like he's doing. Um, and it was really something. And I can't forget you coming over. I mean, you, 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 you came over and, and picked me up in your green Volvo one Saturday, we went back to your house, you had your studio in your garage and I'm like 18, I think maybe 18, 17, 18, like that in high school. And I get, to, I got to spend a day with Dennis Preston in your studio, in your garage studio. You know, you made burgers. You know, your wife was there, and I th- Francis Street, maybe it was Hayford. Hayford, that's right. Um, Grossbeck, uh, and it no, was, no, it was south of that actually. It was, was it? Yeah, it's not even Grossbeck. It was south of Saginaw. Okay, well, it was a rainy day, and it was just so great. It was so um, affirming to have somebody like you like legitimize whatever efforts and you're helping me with this ridiculous brochure for fantasy drawing. Like it was people, cool. <laughs> people are going to line up for, for, for me to be do album covers. You know, I'm like, all these things going through my head. It was just nonsense. But having the, 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 just out of the gate, just the, somebody to be confident in, in my work like that was just, it was game changing for me. And I thank you for that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, very, very big deal. Um, and I still brag about it. Ah! I do. Totally. The burgers? All of it. No, it was great. <laughs> um, you know, because I'm in my, you know, listening to my Led Zeppelin and with the one bulb and drawing, sweating over the drawing, and those were my summers, and that was it. So finding like-minded spirits, and I don't think people can fully, younger people can fully appreciate not having the internet to find like-minded people. I mean, before oh. that, it was, I mean, you had to really press outside your circle and outside your comfort zone, especially with creatives who are typically, typically withdrawn into their, their craft. I mean, I'm generalizing, I'm making a broad generalization, of course. I mean, I hope the performing arts people don't get too mad at me, but you know, there are, there are like some stereotypes that you can apply to creative people for better or worse. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was great. Looking forward, is there anything that you, um, would like to do? What would your dream project be? Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a dream project. I'd like, I like recording. I like making music. Yeah. Um, a long time ago, I had the goal of, you know, before I died, I'd like to record an album and do my own album cover, but I've already done that, you know, but yeah. that was a goal. That was a bucket list item a while back. A while back, and that happened. And uh, originally, I recorded an album in in '76, and that never came out. And then the one I did that came out in '91—that's I—I met the goal. You know, I've been mm-hmm. doing more music since then. You know, and put out a few more CDs. But uh, I saw I, you jam over at Urban Beat one night. Oh, I you, like jamming. You, you I like shredding it. I mean, you were extremely capable musician. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, well, and the thing with that music back in the early seventies, I used to paint to relax and then it got to too much artwork. I was doing things for clients, you know, the concert posters and the stuff for free spirit and sounds and diversions. I was mm-hmm. doing all their stuff and I would paint just to, get things out of me and then it just got to be too much artwork and that's why I got more into making music. Okay. And then it just kind of grew from there. Started learning to play more instruments yeah. and then jamming with people and and I was in a band back in the 
sixties and part of the seventies. So, uh-huh. but no, my going back to your question, I, uh, I guess I would just like to make more music. Yeah, that's a great but, that's a great answer, Dan. Well, and the other thing is, like, I kicked around the idea, I thing a thing back in high school that I thought I would have gotten into was acting. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, I don't have the brain for that. I can't remember lines. But you've, I'm sure you've had to deal with people in, in your caricature work where they're just insufferable and you have to act like you're happy to be with them. <laughs> uh, no, I think most of the time yeah. I'm okay with All right. at events that I'm drawing. The, the only time I probably wouldn't feel that great is like if I wasn't feeling good myself physically, oh, okay. you know. Yeah. You know, or or if I'm sitting there for five hours and my back is starting to hurt or yeah. something. You know, no, you're but. so laid back. I can't anyone. I can't imagine. Honestly, I can't anyone being at odds with, with how you present yourself or you 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 you're so chill, that you put everyone else at ease. At least that's the way you used to be, and I'm getting that vibe right now. Well, good. Yeah, yeah. Notice how many times you haven't said cool. <laughs> Isn't it cool? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm. We're gonna wrap up. Was there anything else I'm missing? Uh, anything that you wanted to add or share? Oh, gee, I don't know. Um, did I answer all of your questions? Do you want more? Or is there any? That... I, if I think of more, I'll ask. I'll ask you back. I'll come back. Yeah. No, this has been very lively and fun, and I, I looked forward to it. And like I said, um, Dennis Preston and LCC, in my mind, for artwork, uh, they're one and the same. Denny, it's been great having you. It's great to see you. Aw, great to be seen. Thomas Merton once said, Art enables us to find ourselves and lose ourselves at the same time. If you want to check out what I've been talking about, just visit this episode at lccconnect.org. Art Happens Here is a production of LCC Connect. Thanks for lending us your imagination. with LCC Connect at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. The Modern Warehousing Program through the Job Training Center at Lansing Community College is an industry-led program that prepares individuals for frontline material handling and supply chain logistics positions in medical centers, fulfillment centers, warehouses, and factories. Those who complete this program earn multiple employer-recognized certifications in six short weeks and get a chance to meet with local employers about their future. Visit lcc.edu slash JTC training. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52, When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Lansing Community College Performing Arts features several events and presentations throughout the year. Find more information by visiting lcc.edu slash showinfo. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision.
This is Bob Myers from the Historical Society of Michigan with a Michigan History Moment. 19th century Michiganders had a mania for railroads. Railroad construction began in the Wolverine State in the 1830s and continued at a fever pace for decades. The Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad became one of the state's longest and most successful lines. The GR&I formed as a company in 1854. Financial difficulties delayed construction, but in 1867 it opened service from Grand Rapids north to Cedar Springs, a distance of 20 miles. Two locomotives named Pioneer and Muskegon hauled passengers and freight between the two towns. From that modest beginning, the Grand Rapids and Indiana Railroad expanded rapidly. By 1869, the tracks ran from Fort Wayne, Indiana to Little Traverse Bay. It soon reached Cincinnati, Ohio, and in 1882 completed its line to Mackinac City. Its 529-mile line made it one of America's longest north-south routes. Branch lines connected it to Petoskey and Muskegon. By the late 1880s, the GR&I boasted 66 locomotives and 3,100 cars, with gross revenues of nearly $2.3 million. Originally, the GR&I made most of its money from hauling lumber from northern Michigan. Much of it went to the Grand Rapids furniture factories. By the late 1880s, loggers had depleted the forests in northern Michigan. The GR&I had to find another revenue stream. The Grand Rapids in Indiana began marketing itself as the Fishing Line. It published tourist guides to resorts and fishing sites in northern Michigan, all of them accessible, of course, via the GR&I Railroad. People throughout the region could buy tickets and within a few hours reach beautiful northern Michigan. One of Michigan's most iconic buildings came about through the railroad. In 1886, the Grand Rapids and in Indiana joined forces with the Michigan Central Railroad and the Detroit and Cleveland Navigation Company to form the Mackinac Island Hotel Company. The Grand Hotel on Mackinac Island opened in 1887. Automobiles finally led to the demise of the railroad's passenger service. The Pennsylvania Railroad bought the Grand Rapids in Indiana in 1918. Most of the rail line is no longer in use, but the roadbed has been converted to bicycling and hiking trails. This Michigan History Moment has been brought to you by MichiganHistoryMagazine.org. This is LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. An open line of communication between parents and teachers is vital to student success. This is Paula Herbart, president of the Michigan Education Association. Every child is unique and each one learns differently. Share details about your students' needs with their education team and keep them informed about pertinent life events. When parents and teachers communicate, students in Michigan succeed. A message from the Michigan Education Association. Lansing Community College's dual enrollment program offers the opportunity for qualified high school students to earn college credit while working towards their high school diploma. Dual enrollment lets students receive educational advancement in areas where the student's interest is displayed, 
especially in courses and academic areas not available in the student's high school. To find out more information about dual enrollment, visit lcc.edu. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. We but mirror the world. All the tendencies present in the outer world are to be found within us. If we change ourselves, the tendencies in the world will also change. This paraphrased quote from Mahatma Gandhi is the basis of the program you are about to hear. I'm Dedalian, and this is Shining Stars, a program dedicated to searching out and bringing attention to individuals and organizations that are fostering positive change within our community and within our world. Thank you, as always, for joining me here on Shining Stars. Today, we are going to be talking about the Ronald McDonald House Charities, an organization that on a national level has been creating a home away from home for families with sick children since the mid-70s. To explain this in more detail, I've invited Carolyn Hurst into the studio. She is the executive director of the Ronald McDonald House Charities Mid-Michigan. She is originally from Langsburg, Michigan, a graduate of Langsburg High School as well, and a 2009 graduate of Michigan State University's Eli Board College of Business. She has also been with the Ronald McDonald House Charities for 10 years. Welcome to Shining Stars, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. So good to have you in the studio to talk a little bit about uh, the Ronald McDonald House. Now, I think it's probably safe to say that most people in this area are familiar, at least, or have heard the name Ronald McDonald House. And although I touched on it a little bit in the introduction there, Carolyn, I'd love to start out by having you explain the role of the Ronald McDonald House within our community. So the Ronald McDonald House of Mid-Michigan serves families that have children in our local hospitals and clinics receiving any kind of medical treatment. Um, So we provide all of the amenities that you have at home to families that have kids in the hospital or receiving medical treatment. So a private bedroom, bathroom, fully stocked kitchen. We do homemade meals every day, um, on-site laundry, really anything you can think of that you have at home, we provide for them. So all they have to worry about is their child and we take care of them. Gotcha. Going, once again, going back to that home away from home is essentially the, the goal here. Yeah. I, I find a lot of the times with nonprofits, the people that get involved that are working there are usually there for a reason beyond um, I applied for the job. Is there a story behind how you became a part of uh, the Ronald McDonald House? Yeah, my story is truly one of those that if I would not have been in the right place at the right time, um, I wouldn't be in this career that I'm in today. So I'm really grateful for um, the incredible mentor I had that recognized when I came on board that, hey, I think you could do this job one day. Would you like to? Um, And the board as well, who... um, you know, helped me get to where I am as well. But I came in as an administrative assistant thinking, I'll put some time in here for my resume. And then, um, yeah, 10 years later, I'm still here. So uh, it was definitely unexpected, but it's been the highlight of, um, you know, my my post-college and starting my career. As executive director, how long have you been serving in that role? Seven years. Seven years. Congratulations on that. That's Thank great. You. I would imagine that there's got to be a lot of rewarding parts of this job, but you are working in a situation where you see tragedy, but you also see a lot of good stuff. What's, what is the most rewarding part of your job? Yeah. Um, you know, the most rewarding is just watching the families go through the day and they're, 
you know, their journey with their child and you celebrate every success with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And what comes with that is also the difficult days too. Certainly, yes. Certainly there's always going to be difficult times, but knowing that the service that you provide every day helps them have a day that's not as difficult as it would be without you is it it's incredibly rewarding. I would imagine, yeah. Just knowing that you've made a difference for them. And the difference changes. You know, you think about, well, it's of course you're going to have a meal today. Of course you're going to have. But when you have a child in the hospital, those things are the last thing on your mind. Um, so we're able to provide that to these families before they even know they really need it. Mm-hmm. It's just all at their fingertips. And knowing that, you know, if they're going through something difficult, that we've made it just a little bit easier. Um and it makes maybe the more difficult days easier to get through. Very good. And it's awesome that you're there for them. Was there ever a time where you just all of a sudden had that understanding of how much of a difference you truly were making in the world? Yeah. So I've been um, with our house for 10 years now, and I've probably been able to witness about a thousand families utilize our resources in that time, Mm -hmm. which is a lot of families. So you you feel like, okay, I know what it's like to have a child in the hospital. I know what they need. I know what helps them. Mm -hmm. But I recently um, had my second child and we found out when he was um, two months old that he had the need for um, spinal surgery. Oh, goodness. And it was basically exploratory because mm-hmm. he was so little. He um, went from, hey, I, I need this spot on his back looked at by his pediatrician to okay. you need a neurosurgeon in the period of about a week. Um, and then surgery didn't take place until a month later. And that was incredibly scary to not know what was yeah. coming. Um, and then to be in the hospital for exploratory spinal surgery on a you know nearly three-month-old by that point, And not knowing, they said, we don't know how long he's going to need to stay in the hospital to recover. Mm -hmm. Might be one day, could be longer. We don't know what we're going to find when we get in there. Um, Just knowing how scary that is now from a parent perspective. Yeah. Even doing this for 10 years, I thought I knew, but there's no way you can understand that emotion until you are that parent. Mm -hmm. So I feel um, by knowing that now, I'm able to better convey you know, these things are important, they're impactful, they're helpful. But what it actually does, these small things, and I remember a story from a family, she said, um, you know, I only had to be here one night, but that was the best bagel I ever had. (laughs) And I know what she means now. At first, I thought it was like, oh, she was hungry, had a really long day at the hospital, and we had something there for her. Wasn't that so nice? Well, yeah. her bagel was my Pop-Tart at mm-hmm. 2 in the morning. Um, it's the difference between being able to stay in um, the appropriate mindset to be at the bedside and help your child and be a part of that medical treatment plan and totally breaking down. Okay. Um, you know, just just those little things help keep you normal. Mm. Um, and, and that's what we're providing. And that sort of switch of being able to see both sides. You know, I always say this is important. We have to do a good job at this. But now I can say this is why we have to do a good job at this. It's not just you should do it because it's good. You're now doing it because you know the actual impact of what it does for families. And I can imagine you never even thought you'd, you'd be going through that yourself. Yeah, no. No one, no one plans to have a sick child. No, no one plans no. to be in the hospital or, or need surgery or have an injury or have a premature birth. Pretty much everybody who visits us has no idea they're going to be there. 
they is, get in that situation and then the hospital refers them to us and says, mm-hmm. hey, there's a resource across the street for you. Um, you know, so we're taking in people who are beside themselves by the time they get to us. Very good. It's an incredible story. Is your son doing well now then? He's doing so well. He's seven months old. He's growing despite me telling him he needs to slow down and stay little. Um, well, you know that's only going to get more and more as you go, right? Yeah, yeah. I know. My five-year-old started kindergarten this year, so um, I know they grow up so fast. Um, and, yeah, so his neurosurgeon said he will be a normal little boy with a scar on his back. So you'll never really know that that's what he endured at that young age um, and what his parents endured uh, <laughs> during that time frame. So... Um, we're very lucky. It's an incredible story, and I'm, I am so happy for you that that you know you came out on the other side and everything was well. Uh, it's an inspirational story. Uh, I would imagine that there are folks out there that would probably want to get on board to be a part of what you do, and I know you work with volunteers. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. We do have volunteers. Um, we're pretty mindful of um, you know comings and goings in the house just to ensure we aren't spreading. Um, viruses or whatnot throughout, um, because we are serving the region's sickest and smallest patients that we're, we're very diligent with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have, uh, shift volunteer opportunities available that are the same people who come on a regular schedule. So whether it be once a month or every other week, um, and that's the first ones we've sort of returned to normal. Um, aside from that, we have lots of ways to become involved with volunteering through our fundraising events. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also have lots of outdoor opportunities as well. We have a full playground and landscaping that needs upkeep that we always use volunteers for. So lots of different ways to become involved. And if I'm catching it right, I, you know, as I was kind of uh, perusing your website, I, it seems like a fairly small staff. Is that correct? Yeah, we have four of us on staff. Okay. Um, and typically... You know, the majority of the programming is put out by um, volunteers, but during the COVID time period, we had to scale that way back. So our staff has been wearing so many hats over the past couple of years. Um, we've run very lean, um, and we, we take it very seriously to make sure that families stay healthy. Okay. What steps would a volunteer need to take in order to get involved? Um, there's lots of information on our website on how to contact us. And Any one of web those address is? Uh, rmhmm.org. Okay. And um, there's a contact form on there. There's also an email address that they can reach us, and our whole staff will get that if they email us. Um, and then they can also call directly. Very good. We'll also have that information up on the uh, podcast show notes for this. That's at lccconnect.org. Like we said, that's this occasionally deal with some pretty tough stories. How do you manage to remain positive during that time? Um, Because you just know that everything you're doing for these families end up being the bright spot of their story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's nice to know that and encouraging to know and motivates the staff to know that, hey, in the end, um, we're going to be the brightest spot in, in their kind of traumatic story. Mm -hmm. And we were able to provide that sort of hope and guidance, um, you know, throughout their story and and making sure the parents were able to be right at the bedside when they were needed most. We, you know, ensure that parents don't have to choose between a barrier of some kind Mm -hmm. and their hospitalized child. They don't have to worry about transportation. They don't have to worry about meals or where they're going to stay. It costs them nothing to stay with us. Um, for as long as their child is receiving medical treatment. So you know the service that you're helping to provide and the resources you're providing, um, even if they're going through some difficulties, are probably the, the best experience that 
they might ever have. Um, so that helps you stay positive for sure. And then, you know, we're very fortunate that our families um, typically have f- babies in the neonatal intensive care unit at Sparrow Health System. And that team over there is so incredible. You would not believe the work that they're able to do on babies that are two pounds and less. Mm. Um those babies generally go home healthy. It just takes them a while to get there. Um, So you kind of always know there is a light at the end of that tunnel. They do get to go home with healthy kids, and you just have to kind of help them along that process. And it's an incredibly positive feeling and environment to be in. So if I'm hearing you correctly and distilling it down to the essential, it's uh, accentuating the positive and realizing the difference that you are making. Yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome. So how do you measure success in this type of organization? Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, numerical um, options to measure success. Mm -hmm. We can measure the number of nights, the number of meals, you know, Mm -hmm. the number of loads of laundry we provide, which is astronomical (laughs) for, you know, the number of families and days they stay. Um, But really, you know, when I talk to our staff, it's all about serving families. The, the metrics, we, we do have them. We do count them. We can spit them out to you. But at the end of the day, you know, you, you can start your day with a to-do list and then all of a sudden families happen in front of you. There's a very human and emotional component to what we endure during the day. Mm-hmm. And to be able to measure success is did we serve them to the best of our ability? If we did, the day was successful. It you can't always count on your time being spent where you think you're going to spend it. You know, we've got guest rooms to turn over, new families to welcome in, families we get to celebrate that get to go home. And there's a lot of work associated with making sure all of that goes seamlessly. And sometimes it happens all at one time. Certainly, yeah. yeah. So um, really success is you got to look at the human component of what we do. And if we treated people well and served them well, that that was a successful day. I'd say on an individual basis or a self in, inward facing way to look at things, that's probably the best way to do it. Cause I always feel like you need to feel accomplished at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely the way to do it in your situation. Great. The numbers are awesome, but at the same time, that's what makes you feel good when you get home. Right. So, awesome. Uh, so as a nonprofit, of course, you rely in part on donations. Is that correct? Yeah, we definitely do. How, how would somebody go about, uh, donating, becoming a a member? Is that what you would call them? Yeah, there's lots of ways that you can become involved in helping to support the families that we Mm -hmm. serve. Um, I mentioned earlier uh, that there is no cost for families to stay. We never ask them to pay for their stay. If, you know, they can make a donation, great. If they can't, we've got them. Mm -hmm. Um, So your donations go directly to making sure families have the place to stay for free. Um, That would be an example of a monetary donation. You can also participate by um, registering for our events. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, coming to our 5K, 10K kids race in March or participate in our golf outing. Um, We also take in-kind donations of items. So anything you use at your house, we need to use at ours. So we have a pantry to stock, groceries to buy, um, household items, cleaning products. Consumables, okay. Anything you can think of. We use all of that at our house as well. Um, And then, you know, uh, your time. We also will take on volunteers. Getting back to those volunteers. There's lots of ways to volunteer um, and, and, you know, donate per se to the house. Certainly. 
So you seem like you've had, I mean, you've, you've, you've had this child that put you in a circumstance where you were the recipient of what you do. Um, is this something that you kind of thought you would do young when you were younger? And if, I mean, if you had the chance to talk to yourself when you were younger, what would you say? I wouldn't believe you probably that this is what I was doing. Do Do any of us though? Yeah, I doubt (laughs) it, you know? Um, but yeah, I think I would just tell myself to take every opportunity, um, that comes your way because you never know who you're going to meet or, you know, what group you may be involved with that will lead to your next opportunity, because that's exactly how I ended up in the position that I'm in. And, um, just always being grateful for those that are willing to mentor you and and soak up and learn as much as you can. Okay, very good. Uh, once again, we will have uh, contact information, website information, all at our podcast at lccconnect.org if you want to get all the details that I've been talking with Carolyn about. Thank you very much for coming in and talking with me. I appreciate everything that you do and everything that the Ronald McDonald House does for our community. It's very awesome. Yeah. Thank you for having me. We're going to finish up with just one more question. This is the question I ask of all my Shining Star guests. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. If you had the ability to snap your fingers and put one thought into the collective consciousness of the entire human race at the same time, what would that thought be? I would say that take every opportunity to make someone else's day a little bit easier, whether they know it or not. Remember, we can all contribute something good to this world. No matter how big or how small, a simple smile or a friendly gesture is all it takes to expand positivity one inch further. Thanks so much for listening to Shining Stars and, of course, sharing your time with me today. I'm Dedalian, and you can listen to this episode of Shining Stars On Demand along with other LCC Connect programs at lccconnect.org. Examining the issues and topics that affect our lives from the local level to the world stage. Listen to the programs of LCC Connect anytime at lccconnect.org. LCC Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. K-12 Operations at Lansing Community College is a proud collaborator of the Lansing Promise Scholarship, offering graduating high school seniors who live within the Lansing School District and attend a high school within district boundaries an opportunity to attend LCC. The scholarship offers 65 credits over the course of four years from high school graduation. For more information on the Lansing Promise Scholarship at LCC, please visit lcc.edu slash hope. LCC. Connect. Voices. Vibes. Vision. It's time for another edition of Equity. Equity is a play on words spelled E-Q-U-I-T-E-A because I just love sharing knowledge over a good cup of tea. Equity is designed to provide you, the listeners, with tips on issues surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion to enhance your everyday life. Today's equity topic is entitled, Being an Upstander, Not a Bystander. 
Have you or someone you know ever experienced harassment, including intimidation, looks, staring, vulgar gestures, the victim or been a victim of a microaggression comment? Or perhaps you've experienced racism, homophobic, sexism, or transphobic slurs. Did anyone come to your aid? Did anyone speak up against these harmful acts on your behalf? If so, they probably demonstrated the behavior of an upstander. According to Oxford Dictionary, an upstander is a person who speaks or acts in the support of an individual or cause, particularly someone who intervenes on behalf of another person. In other words, an upstander is someone who recognizes when something is wrong and does something to make it right. Let's take bullying for an example. When someone is bullied, an upstander will see it and hear it, and then they will act on making sure that correction is made. Oftentimes, we see a bystander, which the definition for that is a person who is present at an event or an incident but does not take part. In essence, they don't do anything to stop the cause or harm on behalf of the other individual. Those are the two differences between being an upstander and a bystander. Now, I know it can be difficult to know when to do something when you see injustices happening. So here are five ways that you and I can be an upstander, not just a bystander. Number one, do something. Stand up and take action against any form of injustice or harassment or bullying on any kind. Uh, standing up means that you're going to, um, might be a little afraid at first, but making the difference on behalf of someone else is being a difference maker. Uh, imagine that individual will probably feel uh, alone and, and fearful. You speaking up for them will cause them to have the courage that they need to get through that particular moment. Number two, give affirmation to the person being harmed. Make sure you acknowledge, I see you, and you're not alone. Let that person know who's experiencing the injustice that this is not right and you're not in this by yourself. Number three, try your best to de-escalate and redirect the focus away from the person that is perpetrating the incident. And in fact, uh, think about ways that you can question that individual. Like, do you know what you're saying? Do you know what you're doing? This is wrong. Speak up and have the ability to de-escalate and redirect the situation. Number four. Advocate for help. Support the person who is being bullied or having an infraction dealt upon them. You can offer several different resources for them to allow them to know that there are resources available even outside the situation. Number five is document. And this is key. Go ahead and take another sip of your equity right there. It's our ability uh, to act on behalf as an upstander to help document the situation. Take time to write down your best recollection of what just inspired. This might be helpful for that individual should they need to file any legal reports or police findings regarding the incident. Remember, being an upstander is going to take courage, is going to involve all of us taking action, being assertive, being compassionate, as well as taking leadership. I know all those things seem a little bit uh, scary at first, but it means that we're not going to just stand by. Remember, the definition of an upstander is someone who intervenes on behalf of another person. And so today, here on Equity, I want to encourage you to be an upstander, not just a bystander. We hope you will join us next time for another 
another edition of Equity. And this is our way of sharing some good knowledge over a good cup of tea. Go ahead and take one final sip as we address issues around diversity, equity, and inclusion to enhance our everyday life. We'll see you next time.